You're listening to Comedy Central. Mariah Carey, welcome to the Daily Social Distancing Show. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I'm glad to be here. I have to say, growing up as one of your fans, I did not think that anything could make me a bigger fan than I already was. But your memoir has the best description I heard from a friend. She said, it turns you from a fan into an instant lamb. Because, <laughs> because we've all grown up with Mariah Carey. We've all, like, Mariah Carey has sung the soundtrack to our lives, whether it's falling in love, whether it's having our hearts broken, whether it's celebrating Christmas. You are synonymous with the lives that we've lived. But you take for granted that a lot of people don't know you. And you've written a book now after 30 years in the industry. The first question is, why now? Why would you bear something so vulnerable after all these years of being shielded? Well, first of all, I've been wanting to work on, I've been working on this book for three years, um, you know, solidly for three years. And prior to that, I wanted to start working on it when I was pregnant, so like 10 years ago. And I figured, oh, I have the time now, but it really happened the way it was supposed to happen. And I um, collaborated with Michaela Angela Davis, who's one of my really close friends, and I feel like we get each other on, on a very specific level and um, in many levels. But um, it just felt like the right time because, you know, uh, it, it is. It's just happening because it's happening and it was meant to happen. And I, it was a cathartic experience. And again, that's why it took so long. I would have liked to have more time, you know, when you're working on something, obviously, and you want to just perfect it and you don't have the it's deadlines and there it is. But the audiobook's been my favorite part of the process because of the weaving in the lyrics and the melodies and stuff like that. So it's, um, it is a vulnerable place to be, but in a way it's freeing because they were there question. They just refer to page 123 or whatever, like just, you know what I mean? For many people, when they read this book, they're gonna learn things about Mariah Carey that they never even would have fathomed. You know, because you popped into so many of our lives as this perfectly manicured human being where everything was, was in place and everything was perfect in a music video, but you've lived a tough life. You've overcome, you, 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 you've, you've defied the odds. And one of the things that I don't think a lot of people realize about you is you are a master at your craft, not just at singing, but 19 number one hits and 18 of those were written by yours truly. Yes, and thank you for acknowledging that. That's been a thing. Um, my, my true fans know that. And I think that's been, I know that's been our, why our connection is so strong and you know that and other reasons, but because they're relating to the words that are very personal, not necessarily the big songs that everybody, that most people know, but like the deep cuts and this, the ones that are featured more prominently in the book where the lyrics are woven into the story or you'll go, oh, that's what that meant when she wrote that. Um, right. You know, so the fans know, but the casual listeners or people that are just like, yeah, I've heard her sing, you know, whatever. They don't know. I don't know that they'll ever know. <laughs> Maybe if they care to know and they're watching this, um, they'll, they'll uh, pay attention in a different way. But um, it's been my release. So writing this book and working on the audiobook and we weaving like some singing and some music in with the stories because that's the way it's written, you know? So it was really um, a great creative experience for me to be able to combine those things that I love so much. And obviously with these very personal stories. When you look at the stories that you've shared, 
there's no denying, Mariah, that they're so personal. Some of them are, are, are truly, truly, truly heartbreaking. And I, I felt almost guilty not knowing this about you and claiming to be a fan. You know, <laughs> I, I, you read the stories and you go like, man, I, I didn't know Mariah was experiencing this. And, we, you know, you just know Mariah Carey through songs or on a meme or just doing a, a Christmas show. But when we go back to Mariah Carey growing up in her life, you meet a young girl who is in a world where she's told that she doesn't belong. Some people say that she is not black enough. Some people say that she is not white at all. And so she experiences racism specifically growing up as a child. And one one of the most painful stories was where you share going to a kid's party where you thought you were going to the party, but all they did was lock you up in a room and start calling you the N-word. That that trauma, when you're sharing it, I, I would love to know how did you deal with that? And, and how did you almost, you know, like put that in the back of your mind and in your life while you were entertaining the rest of us in the world? Well, it is one of those things that I really didn't speak about to most people because in casual conversation or in, um, in an interview format where, you know, you got to get to a lot of subjects when you're talking about an album or whatever, most likely, I'm not going to dig into the into my 12-year-old past and be like, by the way, listen to what happened to me. Like, right. you know what I mean? Like, I, And I did push that, that particular incident down to the point where when we were working on the book, I didn't even remember that story until further down the road. Like, it wasn't like, right. let me tell you this right. first story. Like, you know, like, I really started a lot with my ancestors and kind of exploring different aspects of what they went through and the diversity there, that's kind of like shocking to most people. Cause when you see the physical book, the pictures in the book, um, people get it a little bit more. And I know you understand what I'm saying. It, it really, yes. It, yes. you know, it becomes a thing where it's like, oh, and I get it now, but you're like, well, what the hell did you think I was talking about this whole time? But you know, again, not everybody pays attention, but yes, that was a very harrowing experience. Um, I don't, know that I ever felt the need to talk to anybody about it because I don't feel like I'm the only person in the world that ever went through something traumatic, but that was very specific. And I think the reason why most people wouldn't expect it is because, I don't know, because of the racial ambiguity, because of whatever, but you know, I didn't always have my hair done and makeup and clothes and fit nice things. You know, <laughs> I came from a place where you know, to me, it's like I always felt like we lived in predominantly white neighborhoods with people that had nice houses. And I'm not even right. going to say they were predominantly white. They were all white. And, you know, there I was uh, to most of them. I hate to use this word, but a mongrel. So they, you know, really didn't have a very high opinion of me for that reason. When, when we think of Mariah Carey, I don't think I would be remiss if I, if I said, or I don't think I'd be incorrect if I said that black people have claimed you from the beginning. But something I took for granted is that so many people have always just gone like, oh, Mariah makes music that black people enjoy, everyone enjoys, but she's not black. And you lived this and you talk about this in the book where, where people who you wanted to belong to sometimes didn't even know that you were part of the tribe. Mm -hmm. what, what I would love to know from you as a human being is when you were searching for your identity, 
how hard was it to infuse that within your music? Because that's something I think everyone will enjoy in the book is reading how the record labels, for instance, like Sony at the time, kept on pushing you to, to push all of the hip hop out of your music. They're like, Mariah, this is too black. Mariah, this is too black. And you're going, this is me. This is what I love. Tell me a little bit about that journey of trying to connect with something that you felt was a part of who you are and really made who you are. Well, it, it was a very um, difficult journey, but the interesting thing about it to me, when I, when I look back on um, particularly like the Vision of Love era, my first single, um, that song went number one on the R&B charts, which were then called the black charts first, right. before it went number one on the pop charts, because it really isn't a pop record. And especially at that time, it wasn't what other R&B singers, pop singers, it wasn't what most people were doing. It's a different style. Right. You know, the record is like a six, eight vibe and it's got all these backgrounds and all these layered vocals and stuff. So it was geared for an R&B audience. And from that's where I wrote it from, from that place. But after that, it was like, we need another pop ballad. I know how to do that too. Like I know how to write a middle down the middle. Like I get it. So when you're asked and you're a 19 year old girl, you know, well, we need another pop ballad rather than have them impose a songwriter's idea of what that is on me. I just said, okay, they, they want a simplistic ballad. I wrote Love Takes Time, which I now like and enjoy. But at the time I was like, okay, it took me an hour. We're done. It, you know, it's, it's cute and <laughs> it'll, it'll do what it needs to do. But I think the journey that you were referring to in terms of hip hop, that was a, you know, a long, um, I don't want to say struggle, but I secretly snuck in like, um, loops like from like on Dream Lover, there's like the eight no right, half stepping right. loop. And people like, I remember Q Tip was like, we we're listening to another song and he was like, you realize you're the catalyst for all this, right? You realize like, and he knew this before fantasy. He knew it just from listening to Dream Lover, which is very, it was slightly whitewashed, you know, rather than, you know, when we put the organ solo and all that. It's, it's, it's nostalgic, but I know that that's there because I wanted a rapper to be on that part, but they, nobody was ready wow. for that. Yeah. So, you know, when my, I finally was able to work on fantasy with ODB and in the audiobook, that's one of my favorite parts because we hear his voice and, you know, rest in peace ODB. But that story, and especially when some people were like, I could do that. You know, I don't know if you know what I'm talking about, but there was, a, there was a moment that was pretty freaking hilarious. Um, because the, uh, there was no understanding of like, oh, this collaboration with a member of the Wu-Tang Clan, old dirty bastard, yes. no yes. less. This yes. is a huge moment. Yes. This is a huge moment. Right. But I had to fight for it so hard because nobody understood it. But had they heard his album or even seen <laughs> the front cover of his solo album, I'm sure it would have gotten squashed. I, I snuck that one in. There, there are so many rappers who would who would attest to that, you know, rappers who are included in the book, rappers who who were featured on your songs, rappers who would, who would attest to the fact that Mariah Carey gave me my big break in the min, in the mainstream mm -hmm. because you were adamant. You're like, I'm going to make a remix. They might not let, let me make the original like this, but there's always going to be a remix. And hip hop seems like it was such a huge part of your life. Why do you think you had such a connection with hip hop or what was it about hip hop that connected with Mariah Carey where you're like, this has to be in my music? Well, I think it's that element has always been there because ever since I first heard, you know, the biggest hip hop records as a child, be it um, anywhere from obviously every little kid has always heard Sugar Hill, the Sugar Hill Gang, like the, one of the first songs you ever hear um, all the way through like 
Eric B and Rakim, um, Slick Rick, all, all different rappers. And I ended up working with Slick Rick last year, which was amazing. Um, and, and just knowing him because I was such a fan of his when I was in high school. But like, and still am. Um, but, you know, I could continue to name all the different um, hip hop artists and people that inspired me. But I think when you ask the, the question that you asked was, what was it about it? The music itself, you know, the, the freedom in the music, the artistry in the music. And I think that was where a big disconnect happened with the label because the executives did not grow up listening to hip hop. So they didn't understand right. it and they thought it was a fad rather than an element that I wanted to integrate more into my music. So I continued to do it. Like you said, I did remixes. You know, um, I love a lot of the remix that, remixes that I did, particularly with Jermaine Dupree. And we were able to use, you know, some people may not even know those remixes, but, you know, they'll know like, oh, we belong together. That's a big record. They, they wrote that. But that's also inspired by... In its own way, it has its own hip hop influences just within the cadence of the way that um, I'm singing certain parts. Some parts right, were more, right, more right. Jermaine's idea. I'm like, yes, because he always, Jermaine always makes a joke. He's like, she's the rapper, I'm the diva. Because <laughs> I'm always like, can you make it more grimy? Can you do that? And he's like, I just wanted her to do it the other way. We end up getting to a good place together. So that's one of the positive things. What's interesting is you, is you bringing that up, you know, I feel like Mariah Carey is the rapper. I feel like Mariah Carey is the diva. Reading this book, you understand that Mariah Carey is so much more than people have ever known. And I, I think whether it's the confines of fame or whether it's the confines of how a record label positions an artist, we've had a very limited view of who you are as a human being. And you know, someone asked me, they said, hey, I, I heard you interviewing Mariah or you're reading the book. What's the book about? And I, I said, the book is about life. You know, the book is about a mother and daughter finding their way through life. The, the book is about a young child discovering their identity. The book is about a young woman claiming her autonomy. Really, you have lived a full life. When you look at that life and the complex layers of your relationship, you know, one of the stories is how your mother wanted to be with a black man and was disowned by her mother and her family. Mm -hmm. And then you had a complicated relationship with your mother, mm -hmm. you know, and how she saw race. And, and, and that was a tough thing to go with. And it was so tough for you that you pledged to never have kids of your own. And then you were blessed with the twins. And I mean, your life has never been the same ever since. How would you say motherhood has changed or healed or even exposed some of the things about you as Mariah Carey? Wow. Well, first of all, um, I think, you know, one of the, I'm not saying it's a theme, but it's definitely an undercurrent um, throughout the memoir is the fact that I didn't feel unconditionally loved as a child or even honestly up until rock and roll, you know, were born. And so they give me that, that feeling. And, you know, they may sometimes give me a, hey, and look back down at their iPad. <laughs> but it's still, you know what I mean? It's still nice to have actual familial love. And that's something that I never really had. It feels like you've given that to us though, as people, you know, where, where we listen to your music, we get a feeling, we feel loved, we feel seen, uh, we feel acknowledged. I, 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 I wondered, when you look at your life, and all of the black women who inspired you. What I really love about reading the book, and I, you know, I have just like some of the names here. 
you you talk about all these people, whether whether it's Aretha Franklin, you know, whether it's Leonte Price, whether it's your Nana Reese, you mm -hmm. know, cousin Vinny. You've just got all these amazing black people in your life who shaped who you are. Mm -hmm. It really feels like it was important for you to tell us that side of your story in the book. Why did you feel the need to share that? Well, it wouldn't have been a complete book without talking about that because those are people that have truly influenced me or inspired me or even friends like you mentioned my cousin Lavinia you know um my friend Tots I call her Tots it's Marianne she she's l literally listening to the book right now and she's she's just right. texting me I'm crying like I, you know, I'm like did you get to our parts yet like you know she went through hell with me like we went through a really really difficult moment together and I talk right. about it in the book so it's really I, you know it, it's just who has affected me as a human being? Like when you asked me the question before and you were like, as a human being, I'm like, don't I wish everybody else could just say that? Like that in and of itself is a wonderful thing to hear. Like not most, most people don't phrase things like that, you know, and it's sad. That's what, that's what I think makes this book so amazing, to be honest, is it really shows us Mariah Carey as a human being. You know, I, I laughed in the book and then there are moments where I'm crying. There are moments where I was shocked at how much comedy you have in your life. Like, you're a very funny person. Like, you, you use humor even in the book to deal with some really sad situations. I can relate to that. But I was just like, <laughs> have, have you been hiding Mariah Carey, the comedian, from us? Is there, is there a big part of your life that is, that is um, either dedicated or soothed by laughter? Because it felt like that in the book. Absolutely, yes. Um, I definitely go to the place of humor as opposed to like, oh, I'm so sad, I'm crying and depressed. Like, you know, that's why labels on people and, you know, oh, you're this and you're that or whatever. Like, I don't, it, it's hard. You know that it's difficult. I don't have to tell you. Right. Um, but I just mean that, how do I express it? Yeah, I, I, I would rather laugh than cry. And, and so I appreciate, and I, we were talking about Son of Patricia, um, and just you as as an incredible um, comedian and, I, you know, it's such a brilliant person. But also I appreciate stand up and I appreciate like watching you and, and the, the complexities that that, you know, I know we're supposed to be talking about my book, but I have to say that <laughs> that I have to say that or I would be remiss. No, thank you. I, I, I really do appreciate that. But but it is about you. It is about you. And um, there, it feels like we're getting a lot of Mariah right now, which is great. We're getting the book, we're getting the audio book, and then we're getting something that I think everybody on the planet will be excited by, and that's rarities. And that is a, 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 a collection of, you know, whether it's unreleased songs, B-sides, and just, it feels like an extension of the book because it feels like a, a, a raw piece of Mariah Carey, you know, music that we've never heard, expression that we've never seen. You've got an exclusive, um, uh, you know, you're gonna be teaming up with Lauren Hill, you know, in, in mm -hmm. one of the projects. And that that in of itself is just legend plus legend in a time that was where music for many people was golden. Tell me a little bit about Rarities and why you felt that this was the time to put that out and what you're trying to do. Well, it just so happened that I had, uh, first of all, the synergy with all of this has been, you know, I believe everything happens for a reason. But in the book, I talk about, um, winning my first award when I was 12, a little award in a talent show that my mother had enrolled me in against all adults. 
and I sang the song Out Here on My Own by Irene Cara. And um, for a kid, when I listen to it now, I'm like, oh my gosh, I really, really felt this song. Like, it really did feel like I was out here, there on my own. But we found the recording um, that I had done. I didn't, I was going to put on an album, didn't do it. Anyway, I found it in my vault. And right. so that's, yeah, that's on the rarities. And then I happened to have um, a song called Lullaby of Birdland. I was telling a story about this song that I used to sing as a little kid. And then we found this recording and that's also on the rarities. So there's so many, like you said, B-sides, unreleased songs. But the fact that these things happen at the same time is just another thing that blows my mind about life. <laughs> you, you, you've lived a thousand lives, Mariah Carey. Um, I think, I think... A lot of human beings will enjoy this book because it is a human story. I think a lot of mothers and daughters will love this book because it talks about those connections and how important they need to be, you know, how important they are, how much they need to be cherished. I think any child, any parent, I think any lover of music, you know, any black person, any person who struggled with identity, regardless of their race, will love this book. And before, before I, I, I let you go, uh, I mean, I could talk to you forever on all of these things, but I guess that's why you have the book. Before, before I let you go, I would love to talk to you about the song that has become the definition of Christmas. <laughs> it's pretty insane to have a song that is almost as famous as the holiday itself. I really wondered this question as, as, a, as, a, as an entertainer. We all hear that song and we're like, it's Christmas time. Do you hear that song and go, oh no, people are gonna want me to sing it. Or do you still have as much joy from that song as we have? You know, it's interesting because I know it gets played a lot and there's all different things, but it's the first Christmas song I ever wrote. Um, I talk about in the book how certain people in my family ruined Christmas every year and I always looked forward to it and I always just wanted to have the most festive, fun holiday and it just represented so much for me and they always screwed it up. And as an adult, I was able to kind of recreate what that represented. And so to have a song that I that I do get to hear every year, I have, I have three Christmas albums. But right, it's, right. <laughs> it's I'm festive. Like I push through sadness with being festive. And so like anybody who ever tries to ruin Christmas for me will not be a happy person hanging out with me on Christmas. So the answer is I, you know, I'm very thankful that I was able to write the song. And I, and I do still love it. I do still love it because it makes me feel uh, like the holidays are here and that's my favorite time of year. So call me festive. <laughs> festive Mariah Carey. Um, thank you so much for joining me on the show. I hope you'll join me again. I hope everybody reads the book to get whatever they need from it, whether it's the joy of hearing you break down your music as a master craftsman, uh, whether it's sharing your experiences. I feel like the book is a love letter to black women from all walks of life in every industry, whether it's private or whether it's in the music industry. I, I feel like it's a touching tale. And honestly, it's one of the most vulnerable, beautiful stories I've read. So thank you so much for sharing it with us. Thank you for joining me on the show. Thank you so much, Trevor. I adore you. And I really would love to come back and talk to you at any time, any time, any, any COVID, uh, what do we call this one? <laughs> when we're not socially distanced. Yes, I agree, yes, definitely. Yes, <laughs> Thank you, thank you so much, and you're incredible. Thank you very much. Appreciate you. Watch The Daily Show weeknights at 11, 10 Central on Comedy Central, and stream full episodes anytime on Paramount+. Plus. This has been a Comedy Central podcast. 